Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warriors will interview entrepreneurs about their journey from the first mountain of success and achievement to the second mountain of impact and purpose and legacy so you can navigate your own journey from the first mountain to the second mountain. If you have any friends who could use more inspiration and permission to take that leap of faith, please share this episode with them. They'll thank you for it. My next guest is Shelly Paxton. She is the former CMO of Harley-Davidson, the best-selling author of the book Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life, which is on Forbes 21 Books to Read in 2021. She has been featured on NBC, CBS, Thrive Global, Forbes, Inc., Business Insider, and PBS. She is also a fellow podcaster at her podcast, Rebel Souls. I'm interested in speaking to Shelly specifically because she wrote her journey transitioning from the first mountain to the second mountain in her book, Sobatical. If you are a corporate executive on the brink of burning out, this is an episode you don't want to miss. We talked about how to honor who you are while being a public persona, how to rejuvenate your soul without sacrificing your current responsibilities. What are the symptoms of a burnout high achiever? and the exact steps she took to crystallize her new vision, liberating one billion souls, and who she chose to share with, and why knowing these steps are important for you. Her number one technique to protect her superpower in between meetings, and what's her I am mantras, and how they reinforce her new identity every day. The number one question that gave Shelly the clarity and the courage to leave Harley-Davidson. And what's her point of view on the years that you may think you've wasted on a career that ultimately left you with no satisfaction? And finally, what does the Harley-Davidson brand represent? And how she's taking all of the lessons that she learned from Harley-Davidson to build her new movement sabbatical. Please enjoy my conversation with Shelly Paxton. Please welcome Shelly Paxton. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you, CK. So I want to first off by start reading this passage from your book. Soulbatical is about allowing our souls to guide us without our personalities, identities, or preconceived notions getting in the way. It's accepting that our souls are shepherding us towards the experiences we need to have and surrendering to the flow instead of hammering our way through. So on this podcast, Shelly, we talk a lot about the metaphor of first mountain of success to the second mountain of purpose and impact. Mm -hmm. Personally, I read your book. I listened to many podcasts you've been on already. I love that you didn't pretend to be this enlightened Buddha who just transcended and ascended from the mountaintop. You're a regular person who struggles with problems that we all struggle with. When then we're going into the, some of the tactical things that you really help people make that transition easier. You are very honest about the suffering that you had during that dark night of the soul. You're also very sincere and earnest that you're still on this journey versus you have already arrived. It's so important from, from my perspective that we normalize these conversations, especially about transformation before, during, and after. So from one noble warrior to another, I really salute you for your courage, sincerity, and earnestness. Oh, 
That's a beautiful reflection. I received that. Thank you. And thank you for diving into the book. I feel really drawn to your work. I mean, this concept of the first mountain, which I experienced, the success and achievement mountain, to this impact and fulfillment mountain is where our work is so aligned and our journeys are so powerfully and beautifully aligned. So yeah, I'd love to dig in. It was fun hearing you reflect that passage back to me. <laughs> So there are many juicy topics I like to dive into. So I just list them just sort of for people who are watching, kind of know a little bit of where we're going. We're going to talk about corporate Shelly to soulful Shelly. We're going to talk about how you plan to liberate 1 billion souls. We're going to talk about the concept of soul empty to soul full. And also specifically, I'm also curious about how you transmute your negative emotions and thoughts into this new identity and superpower. We're going to talk about changing the definition of ROI from return on investment to ripples of impact. And also how you can take everything that you learn from Harley Davidson, an iconic brand to liberating 1 billion souls. So these are all topics, given mm. the time that we have, I want to dive into Okay. Yeah, so that first is juicy. <laughs> so first question is this. So after you found your path, you said in another interview that the happy accident was that everything starts to open up when I fully believe that I'm living into this new identity. Now, if we're a fly on a wall watching your life as a movie, what else will we see or experience? In this moment or in the moment of that transition or all of it? the second mountain you're climbing your second, second mountain, mountain right now yeah now you found your dharma everything's yeah. opening up you're now falling into this new identity what else will we see on this movie in this movie oh man so i'm gonna start with what you alluded to when you read that first passage the notion of trust and surrender one of the most influential books on my journey and it continues to influence me today is michael singer's the surrender experiment and to me, it is one of the most important concepts that I have to learn and practice again and again and again on this second mountain to, I don't know how, right? I say, I have this declaration. I have this intention to liberate a billion souls. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. I know I'm not going to do it on my own. I know that's part of my impact in the world. I know if I keep showing up in my authenticity, in my courage, and in my purpose every day as a lighthouse, I'll be guided. And so mm. as much as I want to hold tight you know, to what does that look like? What should I be creating knowing you know, all the next right steps? I don't, right? I don't mm. know any of that. And I'm in that, I'm in that beautiful mess right now in my business. I declared six months ago that I never intended to set out and create a coaching business on the second mountain. It mm. happened. And mm. it happened for a reason. And it's not the way I'm going to get to a billion souls. So I continue to be called again and again, not to serve one on one, but to serve one to many to really mm. continue to show up in my podcast, like you said, Rebel Souls, to show up in writing book number two, to show up and inspire from big stages. I mean, I can go on and on, but you get the idea. So that trust and surrender, like, 
I don't know. What's the business model behind that? What does it look like? I've let go of one trapeze swing and the next one isn't there yet. And I'm breathing into that magical moment that the next best step will be presented to me. So in that moment of letting out the first, getting before the second, right? It's very exciting. Some people may say it's really scary, but my interpretation of everything that you're doing is as you trust, as you surrender to flow, you open yourself to tons of new opportunities and this energy that, you know, this aliveness, right? That people yeah. feel when you're speaking, that's what that is, right? You're, yeah, you're let's be edge. honest. Yeah, that's where the the thing that right when I feel that what could what feels like, yeah, of course, is there a little bit of fear there? Yeah, there's fear there. And what I do is I thank my body for reminding me that I'm alive. So mm. I love that you just said aliveness because that's a very literal practice that I have when I'm feeling all the butterflies or that nervous energy or whatever's coming up for me in the moment. I check in with my body and I say, Thank you for reminding me that I'm alive. This is what mm. it feels like to be alive and moving forward and to have a big mission in the world. And it's also a reminder that when we're feeling this way, this aliveness, it's where the magic and the synchronicities and all of that yummy stuff happens for us. It mm. doesn't happen when we're in our comfort zone. It doesn't mm. happen when we're playing small in that corner. It only happens when, as you said, we're like on the edge. Mm. And that's powerful. At least that's been my personal experience. And so much of what you read in the book and what I wrote about is mm. like whenever I was at that edge, whenever I was trusting, whenever it did feel scary and I felt alive, that's when the doors, the doors and the portals started opening for me, truly. Beautiful. So we'll put a pin on this current state right now. Okay. So for the people who are inspired by your energy, by what's possible, we'll put a pin on this. We'll draw the path in the moment. Bring us back to the moment because you had said, the universe speaks to you from a whisper to a shout to a two by four. So tell us about the reoccurring nightmare that woke you up from the matrix. You know, just give the short version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this one could go on forever. And also I don't want to spoil it because anybody who wants to read the book, this is where the book starts, right? I literally grab you by the lapels and bring you into my world. And I call it, it's really interesting, CK, that we're having this conversation in this moment in history right now, because I feel like my kind of wake up moment was five years ago at Harley. I feel like the world and maybe a lot of people who are listening to this right now are feeling woken up, right? You know, 2020 was the year that shook us. 2021 kind of woke us up to what matters most. And I'm calling 2022 the year of the revolution, right? The year that we're gonna rewrite the script of success on our terms. So it's interesting, that's the context to what I'm about to say. What this looked like for me five years ago was I'm, you know, chief marketing officer at Harley Davidson. I'm 45 years old. My career has been nothing but this, you know, hockey stick trajectory on that first mountain as you describe it. And I start getting ripped out of my sleep night after night after night 
by the same recurring nightmare. And this was absolutely my moment of the universe going, hey, we've been whispering, we've been shouting, and yeah, now we're going to whack you with that two by four until you pay attention. Because I was pretending not to know that I was living my dad's dream and that I was completely disconnected from my own truth. And my own, my truth is my soul. I was disconnected from my own essence. And that's what the nightmare showed up night after night after night to um, literally like a projector to make me look in its eyes to see that my soul and, and the proxy for my soul, I'm not going to spoil it, but what I saw brought me to my knees and just I was a puddle of tears every night. I was not sleeping because what I saw, I ultimately realized I was a proxy for my soul. And my soul was malnourished, neglected, longing for love and attention, and just literally staring me in the face. And mm. it was it was a tough wake-up call. And I'll be honest. This happened, this nightmare happened for the entire last year that I was mm. at Harley. Mm. And it took me six months to decode what it was trying to tell me. And part of that happened because I actually went and asked for help. I went to the doctor and I said, I, I think I'm losing my mind. And by that point, substance abuse was evolve, uh, involved because I was drinking too much, trying to incapacitate this nightmare because, again, pretending not to know what's really going on. And, you know, sort of like a kid does, right? Plug my ears and go, blah, blah, like I can't hear you. <laughs> and yet it keeps breaking through. And so that was truly my, you know, literal moment of getting woke to the truth that I wasn't living my truth. I wasn't living my authenticity. I wasn't being courageous. Um, and that was the very beginning of what I called soulbatical when I finally chose to accept that truth and explore it and have my own, as you said, you know, dark night of the soul, walk into the cave <laughs> and right. deal and really, and really fully explore and understand, well, what does this mean? And who am I mm. when you strip away all of that stuff? So quick question there. Because you had a two by four moment, right? It was a month, or actually, was a month a month of it was a year, yeah. It was a year of recurring nightmare, nightmare, right? So, so, so that's a very obvious sign, right? So, as such, you, uh, you know, took drastic actions and so forth. For those people who may not have the very obvious, and so I'm kind of a savant in that case, right? I need something that's really obvious. So, what are some of the signs you think that I should pay attention to? Oh, that it's such a good question. I mean, here's here's one, and it'll it'll it, um, kind of weaves into one of the other juicy topics that you mentioned. So, I now understand that success is a feeling, and I didn't understand that. What I understand now is that what I had at Harley, this traditional success that society you know, tells us to want, tells us to work our asses off for, tells us to strive for at all costs. I had ticked all of the boxes of traditional success on that first mountain. And yet I felt empty inside. 
I felt like I was dying a little bit inside. And I felt really guilty for that because I thought I've worked my ass off for 26 years. You know, I've made it to the top of the mountain. Most people would kill, at least in the marketing space, to be the CMO of Harley freaking Davidson, right? I mean, or, or any Harley Davidson fans. Absolutely. Iconic, mm -hmm. global, sexy, you know, it's people tattoo it on their bodies, mm -hmm. all of the things. How could I be in this place and feel the way that I feel? And I now understand that concept in my language as success empty because we're playing someone else's game and we are we are articulating success and striving for success on someone else's terms and what i understand now so i'm kind of bridging the two mountains to answer this question but what i understand now is that the second mountain is truly successful as in F-U-L-L. I feel filled up from the inside out because I'm defining success on my terms and in a way that fuels me from the inside out. So the first thing that I would say is if you have that like, I always love to say the gnawing is knowing. The what, gnawing? The gnawing, yeah, yeah. yeah, that little gnawing feeling inside, mm. it's the knowing. Get curious mm. about what that gnawing is. What is it? What mm. is it trying to tell you? Sit with it. Get still around it because that is most likely your form of empty. And it might come as small little signs. It might come as like a, I'm just not feeling it? Why am I doing all these things that the world tells me are amazing things to do? And I don't wake up on fire every day. Get curious about that. That's where I would tell you to start. Mm, mm, I love that. In, in, in you, you had also mentioned, I'm quoting you, right? Um, there's a couple other signs that our listeners should pay attention to. Pay attention to the shoulds, the inner voice when they're shooting oh, yeah. all over you. So mm. that's another. The Can I just one. comment on that one before you go to the third one? Sure, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this idea of the, I call them the shackles of should, right? So get curious about the language because these things are connected. These ideas, what I said, like that gnawing, that feeling of emptiness, when you start getting really clear and like, wait, where's that coming from? What's going on here? I'm willing to bet that what you're going to find is that it's like, well, I feel that way because well, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And we're telling ourselves all of these stories because we've signed up for someone else's life plan. <laughs> we've signed up for someone else's dream. So the shoulds are directly correlated with us feeling empty inside because we're not doing what lights us up. We're not doing what fills us up. So yeah, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Awesome. So the third thing that you also said in other places is notice your physical energy. So not just the mm -hmm. spiritual, emotional emptiness that you talked about, but the actual physical energy drain. If you notice um, draining of your energy, right, whether it's through the activities or the relationship, right, you call it soul yeah. fuel versus soul suck, right? If those things occur, those are also things to be paying attention to. 
Yeah, and that's an exercise that I have you do in the book, as you know, and it's a really powerful one. I do it, I've done it with coaching clients in the past, I've done it with groups, I've done it from stages, but literally, I ask everybody who's listening to us right now or to the recording, do this exercise, gift yourself 10 minutes, 10 minutes, first thing in the morning, maybe before everybody else in your house is awake and take a blank piece of paper, blank piece of paper. And on one side of it, do a column that says soul fuels. Those are the things that light you up, that give you energy. And on the other side of it, do soul sucks. Those are the things that, like you said, CK, that drain you. And then stream of consciousness without picking up your pen, give yourself five minutes in each column. And when you pull back, take a look and ask like, what surprises you? You know, what scares you? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? That curiosity and that investigation will tell you a lot about where um, a lot of these success empty things are creeping into your life. And believe me, I know they still creep into mine. (laughs) Of course. Now, actually, now that's a really good point. I want to underline something. You didn't say it in any of the interviews or your book, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. As human beings, our consciousness are always changing, just like the ocean and so forth, right? So, so what you're saying is not to just point out to the acute sense of emptiness or shoulds or energy drains and so forth. I think what you're pointing to is the persistent over a long period of time, you know, let's say months, uh, weeks or months, perhaps even years. And once you notice that that's the sort of the, 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 the indicators that you ought to really pay attention to versus just the day-to-day yeah. ups and downs. Is that a projection? Is that correct? A hundred, a hundred percent, right? We're looking for the trends, right? So, I mean, you know, if I put on my business hat, we're looking for the trend lines, right? You're right. It's going to, it's going to go, it's going to go up and down, but what are the trends and where are we, you know, where are our boundaries getting porous? Where are we allowing a lot more of the energy into our lives? Because over time, it's going to destroy our nervous system. It's going to suck our energy. It's going to dominate our agenda so that we wake up one day and go, oh man, I'm 100% serving someone else's agenda and not my own. I'm living someone else's truth and not my own. All of those things are underneath those trend lines. Yeah. So quick sort of side adventure for a little bit more philosophical question here. Do you think that people need to, people need to climb their first mountain of success before switching their gear to the second mountain. And more specifically, I'll say, maybe someone they say, hey, Shelly, you're a former CMO of Harley Davidson. You have won, um, not you, but maybe someone else listening, hey, you have an Oscar, you have a Grammy, you have made seven figures, eight figures, nine figures, whatever the thing, you have a PhD. Of course, you have the luxury to talk about meaning and purpose in the second mountain. What about us mortals who haven't arrived, quote unquote, our first mountain of success? How would you answer or respond to that question? Oh, this is so good. Um, You know, 
I mean, let me tell you how I think about it as it relates to my life and my story. Because of course. it's the only one that I know of, intimate, intimately, of right? Of course. I, you know, there are days where I kind of chuckle. I see, so I'm 51. And I love that I'm 51. I love that, you know, it took me as long as it took me to get here. And I'll be honest, there are days where I'm coached by somebody who's 35. I am surrounded by people who have figured this out earlier on the journey than I did. And there are some days where I was like, damn, I wish that maybe I would have climbed the first mountain a little faster or I would have had <laughs> lit or I would have listened to these um, to the voices, you know, that, or, or paid attention to the feeling, gotten curious about the things that, you know, before the two by four had to whack me. And honestly, when I wrote the book, as you know, I started to realize I got a lot of signs over the years and I chose to continue to ignore them all. So I own all of that. And, and even though I sometimes have those moments where I was like, how cool would it have been if I figured this out before I was 40? I'm so clear that my journey was my journey for a reason. And I'm yeah. so clear that, you know, even though my dad was like, you should be president of Harley Davidson, you need to run a company, you need to do the thing. I'm really glad I stopped short of maybe that. I mean, maybe that's the equivalent of somebody Mount Everest. And I wasn't willing to go there. I stopped mm. at the last base camp and said, this is enough for me because mm. I now understand what it's doing to me. And I now understand that I am craving fulfillment, that I am craving feeling this aliveness that I don't feel in doing what I'm doing right now. And so, yeah, I guess my answer is, I think to some degree, whether you get to base camp one, two, three, four, or you summit Everest, I think spending some time on the success and achievement <laughs> mountain, is going to help us learn about who we really are. Mm, mm, mm. Let me actually just quote real quick, again, a quick side conversation. Uh, I was speaking to the cornerman of Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods, uh, Jeff Spencer. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm -hmm. He gave a really beautiful sort of meta coaching advice because I was asking, hey, what's it like to you know, work with these super elite high performers? And, and specifically, I was asking him, how do you tell them what's to come without pouring rain on their sunshine, right? <laughs> and he said, you just tell them, like, hey, you're free to do whatever you want to do. But let me tell you, in a week, a month, a year, whatever, you're going to hit this very challenge. And what you do with it is up to you. But I'm just letting you know, if you go down this path, this is what you'll hit. So going to the, you know, for people who want to climb their first mountain of success, by all means do that, but there are consequences and costs if you're not mm. following your personal trajectory, your personal guidance. I love that. And I think it really aligns with how I think about this and talk about this and the work that I do in the world, because I say that we all have the opportunity to rewrite the script of success and more importantly, rewrite our script of success, right? Because mine is going to be different than yours, different than Jeff's, different than anybody listening to this. Now, there may be some commonalities, but what I love is 
I'm my work and I think your work helps people to see this earlier than we did, certainly earlier than I did. And I, you know, I love to say no regrets because I don't want to see people beating themselves up for the time they've invested in where they've gone because there are gifts in that journey. What I do want to see is that maybe you don't have to spend as long on that first mountain as I did. Maybe you can start to understand rewriting that script like, well, what does that mean for me? So when I think about successful, really one of the first exercises is what does success look like for me? And that is not an easy question for it's most not. people to answer. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to figure mm -hmm. that out. And so, um, but if I can get people thinking about that sooner than later, and then that becomes a lens through which they think about, you know, their, their journey, that feels really good to me. Maybe you will be 35 and going, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and especially again, I'm going to circle back to this moment in history where you and I are having this conversation, we are unsteadily, you know, trying to emerge from a global pandemic that has shaken everyone's lives up. Everyone's life has changed in at least one way. And almost all of us have gotten really clear on what matters most to us. People are fleeing urban centers. People are demanding flexibility in the way they work. Burnout and the mental health crisis are skyrocketing. Things have to change. Mm. And so there's no greater time, in my opinion, to be having this conversation and thinking about what it means to start, you know, hiking that second mountain because it's ours to create. Yeah, real quick. Um usually we think about quarter life crisis midlife crisis all these different like very mm. time specific milestones or time bound milestones the the global pandemic as you said i think is a beautiful challenge or crisis right and in chinese as you know crisis is both danger and opportunity you have the yeah. opportunity now to reevaluate do i want to stay in this company do i want to stay in this geographic location and then really think about what is the life I want to design, right? It, I think the beautiful question that you have in your book was, if I continue to live as I live now for the next five, 10, 20 years, am I moving towards of who I want to become or further away? So that's beautiful contemplation that you yeah. uh, gifted your readers. That question woke me up, right? Because it gets really scary if you think, wow, like, what am I doing this in service of? And, you know, a lot of people will say, yeah, but if I do it for five more years and I can make this much more That's money, right. and That's then right. That's I can right. have the freedom. That's but right. I'll be honest with you, this is one of the ways that I define success empty. If you are asked, if you are saying to yourself or you catch yourself saying quite frequently, like I did, I'll be happy when. Mm. That is plain a very dangerous game that right. so i'll be happy when you know i make the x amount of dollars or when i get that certain title or that certain promotion those are all external factors yes. right and asking that profound question really forces you inside to say wait yeah. what what really matters to me who am i becoming 
Yes. Who do I want to become on this journey? And that's your truth. That's your, those are your values. That becomes your scaffolding to create this new, this new life. We create our reality. Absolutely. And, and the only person that could do that to discern the, the chatter of the ego, because the ego can always rationalize anything. Oh, you need this. Of course, you have responsibilities. Yes, your kids depend on you. Da 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 da. Your employees. Da, da, da. They can always rationalize anything. It requires that this, you know, that quietude that you talked about to really distill, like truly, what does my soul yearn for? So beautiful. Let's ask the question uh, further. Um, you had said, "I want to liberate a billion souls." Can you define liberate and souls so that way when so then you can measure right cmo hmm. like this this desire this this manifestation of this this intention yeah yeah it's um well this is the deepest anybody's wanted to dig into this so i love this thank you so liberate is you know to me it's liberation is a freedom right and it it tracks back to what I was just saying about rewriting, you know, our own script of success. What we're really doing is liberating ourselves from these shackles of should. We're liberating ourselves from playing the game of life and defining success on someone else's terms. We are liberating ourselves to truly live a life that is more authentic more courageous and more purposeful. So that's mm. the liberation piece, right? Mm. Mm. And those are really important. That says that, you know, I define soulbatical as a way of being that's in full alignment with our soul. And you asked me what, how I define soul. I define mm. soul as our, our truth, mm. our essence. Mm. Right. That's what like everything that who we are is not titles and money and houses and cars and boats and all the things. Right. Mm. Who we are is at our core. And that's how I think about soul. It's like, wow, if I am really being truthful to myself, I am living in alignment with my soul. So that's I how I it. think about those two pieces. Yeah. I love it. So, so here's the suggestion. She has an idea as you're speaking, right? So what I'm seeing in my mind is if someone has an awakening moment, a moment of, you know, they call it Satori, right? A moment of awakening, moment of lucidity. And they say, all right, here's my declaration of who I am and what I'm going to be. And this resonates with my essence. If you actually on your website have a place to record all of that, then all of a sudden mm. you have a trackable thing. And then you can also look at it like based on all the effort that I make in speaking in courses in podcasting, these people, these number these many people are now on their path to freedom. I love that liberation. idea. Yes. Well, so it, it is, 
It's such a cool idea because I've never really been able to answer. I mean, yeah, this is kind of funny having my CMO hat on, right? And like when people say, what does your scorecard look like? And I'm like, oh, right, my head just wants to explode because that was never my favorite part of the job, if I'm honest, right? <laughs> so, and let's be right, I'm I'm honest and authentic at my core. I appreciate that. that that's awesome. Yeah. You, you, you and, really uh, share everything about your life, you know, yeah. in the book. Yeah. The truth, the truth is, and, and in my business today, the truth is like, I don't know, I can't tell you how many souls I've liberated. I really can't, you know, we can talk about number of books sold or how many people listen to my podcast or follow me on the socials or whatever, but that's not really it either. And so I have gotten to this place and maybe this takes us full circle to the trust and surrender conversation earlier on. I am trusting that by showing up every day and continuing to push myself to play bigger, to be in the arena, to be a model, I call it being a soul model, a soul model for living this soulbatical life that is more authentic, more courageous, and more purposeful, I am trusting that I am inspiring others and giving others permission to do that themselves. So I don't have a grand scorecard, but your idea is really cool. Please take it. Yeah. Um, all right, Thank so let's you. let's keep, let, let's keep moving forward, right? Because our time is quite limited, and I, there's so much I want to talk to you about. All right, so and also, guys, if you're watching this, just so that you know, I'm not asking, you know, our guests for the sake of my own curiosity. I'm actually charting out the meta structure, how you can follow step by step how you too can discover your own purpose, your own, you know, your, 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 your GPS, so to speak. So that way you don't have to necessarily wait until the universe whack you with a two by four and within, you know, years of nightmares. Like I, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. we want to save you from your suffering. We, yes, there's value in that. And if, you know, alleviate some pain and suffering, some nightmares, we don't want oh, it's to one of my favorite quotes. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And I wish I could remember who to attribute that to because it's not me. But I really, truly believe that. So if anything, like pain's going to happen. It, that's part of life, right? It's the lightness and the darkness. How long we choose to sit in that versus moving through it is truly our choice. So I hope that some little bits of what we're talking about today can help you move through and uh, yeah, minimize your suffering because I would never want to go back and have that nightmare for a full year again. That was silly. Mm. So you and Christina Lachiani, I talked about transitions because you could easily say, I'm going to be a nun or a monk and then say goodbye to the material life, right? That, that's one path. But for most people, householders, right? They wanted to have their life, have their family. How do you do it in such a in such a way that it doesn't blow up, you know, the rest, uh, uh, the, the the other areas in your life? So one example that you gave was a fu fund as a way to do that, right? As a way to unwind in a in the most responsible way and so forth. What are some of the other examples or perhaps ways for people to untether? from previous responsibilities, mm. relationships, mortgage, marriage, kids, companies, geographic location, possessions, financial portfolio. What are some of the ways to kind of 
ease them into this second mountain versus just like, all right, guys, I'm off to my sabbatical. Yeah, well, let's be honest. I mean, I'd love to take a step back before I go into any granular, you know, granularity on answering that question. I'd love to take sure. a step back and say, it doesn't mean you have to let go of any of that. So let me say this right now. I think when I first left Harley and I said, I'm becoming chief soul officer of my life. I gave myself this title because I wanted to feel ownership and responsibility to this beautiful soul of mine. And I called this my soulbatical because I didn't know how else to tell people what it was that I was doing because it all sounded crazy. Nobody leaves chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson job to go to nothing, to explore their soul. And so I think at the time, I thought sabbatical meant leaving your job and maybe even leaving the corporate world. And what I'm so clear on now, and I wrote in the book as well, but I want everyone to understand this before we go deep is sabbatical is not about leaving your job. It is about finding yourself. And I think that's really important context for this conversation that we're having because I have, have had clients, I have people in my community who love being in the corporate world. The question for them might be, have I created a fully integrated and aligned life? Is my, you know, am I looking at my one wild and precious life as one wild and precious life versus a work life over here and a personal life over here and this, you know, set us up for failure thing we call work-life balance, which to me is BS. So I just want to say that how you define the things that you want in your life and the spaces you want to play in is up to you. Sabbatical doesn't mean you have to like take this radical leap off one mountain, hold your breath and land, you know, hopefully with a parachute <laughs> on the other mountain. Yeah, right. You know, on a wing and a prayer. Um, it might, it might look like my journey. It might look like your journey. It might look wildly different. I have had clients who've said what sabbatical means to me is actually leading and living more authentically, more courageously, and more purposefully. And for some of them, it meant I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right company. Maybe I want to be in a company that's a B Corp because I feel really passionately about you know the, the company that I'm a part of having a bigger mission on this planet that is aligned with my values and my mission. Maybe it is leaving the corporate world and becoming an entrepreneur like you and I have done. Maybe it's something in between. So that's all context to say, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. So the first part is getting really, really clear on what does success mean to you? And checking in around what are some of those things, maybe where are you getting tripped up on the shoulds and on other people's definition of success and start to unpack that first before you make radical decisions. Um, and, and in some cases it might be, hey, I want to kind of start doing some other work on the side, just see how this feels. But it can be as you know, yeah, you could have an FU fund like I did where I was building that fund over time. So I had a little bit of cushion or runway 
to say, so that's what I did. I took a year. I thought I was taking a year away from the corporate world. Clearly my calling in the world was to leave corporate altogether so that I could do this and then kind of go back into corporate with my, with my can mission I, to rewrite the script. Can, of that. can I just underline something that you said? Yeah. Um, right. So what Shalane and I were talking here isn't as, you know, the, the drastic transition that she made per se. First and foremost is to figure out what is it that you want. And then oftentimes it doesn't come in a flip of a switch. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then boom, I know now I can go 100%. And same thing also as well as creating space, right? So what I wanted to ask you when I asked that question was, how do you basically create space as you're figuring out this new direction that you want to head towards. So for you, uh -huh. the create the space that you created was the FB fund, right? Uh, sorry, the FU fund. And then also the the notice of the shoulds, as well as the soul sucking activities or relationships. These are all different ways for you to create more spaciousness in your life. Yeah. Right. So are there other things to help them create spaciousness so that they can navigate, you know, with more internal spaciousness towards the second mountain? Yeah, I think the one of the big ones, I'm just going to repeat one that you said again. I think one of the biggest ones is how do we get rid of more of these soul sucks? Right. I mean, I, li I literally posted on my you know my instagram feed yesterday like stop being available for the things that make you feel like shit. period end of story anything <laughs> in our lives people places activities media events groups anything that is making you question it's draining your energy like we talked about or making you question your truth your value, your enoughness in this world, put an end to it. That's a great way right now. We have more control and more agency over this than we often give ourselves credit for. It's hard, but we teach people how to treat us. And the more we're willing to drop those boundaries, to please people, to do things out of a sense of guilt and obligation, the more we are resentful, the more we are burned out and exhausted, and the more we don't have the spaciousness to do what we're talking about right now. That's a big one for me. So really think about it. I mean, I, I posted it yesterday because I was feeling it. I was like, why did I do those three things? Why did I do that? Why am I making myself available for something that was making me feel this big? No, mm. enough already. I needed the reminder. So I wanted to share it with my community and now I'm paying it forward into your community as well. That's a biggie for me. Mm, mm. Thank you, Shelly, for being here again. <laughs> so appreciate you saying yes to this opportunity. Um, all right, segue to another it. conversation. You. All right, so let's go further about owning our truth. Part mm. of your superpower, you have said, is your energy or somebody else said that your energy is a superpower. You know, your presence, your fierceness, is earned by all the effort that you do when no one's looking to dissolve your shame or whatever negative emotions in order to speak your truth. So that's my observation. What would you say to that? Oh man. Um, 
it's taken me a long time to own this one. I don't know if I'm answering this in a, in a way that's helpful. So you'll tell me, let me just say what's coming up for me in the moment and then, then steer me. Um, it took me a long time to really understand and own my superpower. And I think those are two, two sides to the coin, right? First understanding that when people would comment on my energy, it's like, oh, it's, I, I would dismiss it. I would say, oh, that's just who I am. And I wasn't really one fully understanding that no, actually this is a superpower and not everybody walks into a room and has the presence, has the magnetism, has the, you know, the, 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 yeah, the literal energy that I do. People feel me before they see me and I, and I'm like all of it. And then, so that was the understanding it when enough people, th this is the guidance I would give for all of us, really tune in when, when you hear the same comments over and over again about like, wow, I love your ex, or I love the way you do Y, or, you know, you're the only one who does this thing or shows up in this way, or, you know, when I see you do this, it has such an impact on a room, you know, on your team, on whatever. Listen for those things. When you hear people say that again and again and again, pay attention. This is an indication of what your superpower really is. So that's one, it's like listening and understanding like, oh, it's it tends to be the thing that comes so easily to us that we can't even give it credit for being a thing. I was like, what do you mean my energy? I was just born this way. Okay, well, maybe I was mm. owning that and then figuring out how to leverage that. So the owning it was the second piece. It's like, oh, oh, I get it now. That is like, so that's a key part of my business. I have to really work hard to now protect this energy. Mm. So on either side of this recording or this live stream, I don't have anything. Because my energy is that important. Now that I recognize it as my superpower and I want to show up in the way that I'm showing up right now in this conversation, I am not going to block myself back to back in a day. Mm. I am going to do everything I can to really protect this energy so that when I'm on, I'm on and I'm sharing it and your people are feeling it because that is my work in the world and that's my superpower. If I came in here after having five back-to-back -back meetings before you and I had this conversation, you wouldn't be getting this me. And that's really important to me. So I think those things are interrelated. I don't know, did that answer your question? It does. So you it, 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 So let me repeat what you said, right? So to recognize what you receive from others that you may not even know. And to people I say is, fish doesn't see water because you're just swimming yeah. in the water yeah. that you're swimming right so yeah. this is who you are this is your um this is your superpower one layer deeper would be one comment i made was the reason why you're so good at showing up 100 percent, being raw being fierce being truthful is because you, you don't just do it for the camera you do it everywhere especially yeah. by yourself in the dark when you're like really going through whatever 
samskaras or you know negative emotions like that's you do the work in the dark so when you show yeah. up you have full presence it's earned it's not bought or given yes okay so yeah 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 i do i do and here's what i would add to that ck i would say so yes because i believe in being the same person in every room and when no one is watching right showing up for myself in the same way i show up for others is really important to me and it was a lesson that took me a long time to learn so showing up for myself is, yeah, it's, it's, what do I need? I call it, and the reason I was pausing is I was like, do I want to go here? But I'm just going to say it out loud. I call it radical self-commitment. There's a lot of conversation around this idea of self-care. And believe me, I'm a proponent of self-care. I believe in it. We have got to, you know, as I say self-first isn't selfish. It is really important. And at the same time, radical self-commitment is bigger than that. It's bigger than, you know, spas and bubble baths and meditation. It is really committing to our values, committing to our truth, committing to our courageousness, committing to creating what we want to create. That to me is radical self-fulfillment a radical self-commitment, sorry. And it's what I do. So you're right behind the scenes. Am I working through all the stuff that's coming up? Absolutely. And I'm taking it a step further because I stand for authenticity and courage and purpose. And this is my work in the world. I then come back and share it. Yes. It's a lot of what I do, not only in the book, but in the podcast, on an ongoing basis as I continue. There's not a there there. You said this in your intro. It's like we are on the journey and I'm gonna continue to play at a higher and higher base camp as I climb this mountain, yeah. right? And there's gonna be new things to break through and new things to discover about myself and upper limits to bust and all of that stuff. And I'm committed to not only doing the work but to bringing, to bring that work from the darkness into the light because mm. I don't want others to feel alone on their journey. We're all doing this work and we are not alone in it. And I, that's a big part of why I talk about what I talk about. I love it. So I have a nuanced question. I want to follow up with that is Brene Brown, one of your heroes, right? One of your, yeah. you know, uh, role model, soul model, yeah. right? She had said vulnerability is earned. So it's a little bit paradoxical at the surface. How do you discern what to share and what not to share? To whom to share and to whom not to share? Because you're such an open <sighs> and honest person, right? So how do you navigate that? You know what I'm talking about? Can you, can you give me back what you understand? So this is a juicy one, so. Yeah, it is. And me kind of like looking out into space was like, wow, I don't think I've thought about this one. So it'll be really interesting to see what cups comes up. I mean, what I what I hear you asking me to play it back to you is, you know, how and when do I discern that, you know, somebody has earned the um, the trust has created the safe space 
for me to be vulnerable. Is that fair? Yeah, to share your truth, right? Your most vulnerable, you know, your juiciest, like the essence of you. So yeah. how do you navigate that space? You know, your commitment is to show up as you are, the truth of who you are without, you know, uh, worrying about how others feel. Yeah. And at the same time, Brene Brown, right? Vulnerability is earned. How do you navigate that space? I have my thoughts, but I'm curious to know what yours is. Yeah, I'll tell you, like in the moment, I mean, listen, the first thing that's coming to me is, well, I put my heart and soul on paper for this book that is out in the world. Not everybody who reads this book has earned my trust, has created a safe space for me to share what I what I share in the book. And as you know, it's very raw. And it's very raw for a reason, because I want people to know that, you know, it's very easy for us to put you know, whether you're chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson or whatever you are, it's easy for us to put people like that on a pedestal and it looks shiny on the outside and it looks sexy on the outside and all of it. I want everybody to know what's going on beneath the surface and that even when things on Instagram or wherever they are look polished, there is, you know, the, the messiness of being human underneath that. So I'll be honest with you, I think I've, I've taken a leap that says, I'm putting it out there. I have made a commitment to being true to myself. So mm. you invite me into this space. I don't know who all is listening. I trust you because you and I have had a dialogue and I think there's a beautiful intersection in our work and I love where you're taking this conversation and I'm willing to go there you know, how others receive it, I'm not responsible for. And mm. it may land with some, it may not land with others. Here's what I know for sure. And this is something else Brene says. I am not willing to get in a conversation with people who are hurling rotten tomatoes from the cheap seats and refusing <laughs> to be in the arena with people like you and I. If you're willing to get in the arena with me and say, wow, Shelly, you wrote this, you know, this thing in your book, like some of the examples that you're bringing up. And I want to share with you my story, which so many people have done so beautifully. They've said, you really gave me language. You inspired me to want to dig deeper, to want to think about what this means in the context of my life and my journey. And they share these raw, beautiful stories back with me. Those are my people. I mm. will stay in the arena all day long with you and continue to peel mm. the layers away. If you mm. want to write me a nasty review and say you hate the sound of my voice or I'm a white privileged, you know, biatch or whatever you want to call wow. me, which by the way, I admit to all of that, wow. then I'm not playing with you. I'm not playing yeah. with you. So I think I don't know. I mean, in the moment, those are the things that are coming up for me. It's almost like I assume positive intent. Mm. I assume that the people who are finding my work are going to step into the arena with me. And so mm. I'm willing to go there. I'm giving mm. you that chance. And if you mm. then just start, you know, hurling insults from your seat and you're not willing to get in there with me, I got no time for it. We're not going to have a dialogue.
that's mm. kind of how I think about it. I'm curious. Like, I'm curious what your answer to that question would be. And does anything I said resonate with you? Oh, for sure. hundred percent. So I love that mindset. You tr offer trust. And also second, those that want to dance with you would dance, right? I think it was the doctor, yeah. Dr. Seuss. He said, those that matters don't care. Those that care don't matter, yes. so to speak, right? Yes, yes, so, yes, so I love totally. those two frames. What I also see is in stepping into prominence as a leader, as, as a thought leader, as, as anything, you know, if you want to stand out to make your mark from your soul, there's a journey of exercising a muscle. So if you just say, I am a da 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 da, -da then sh share everything from your closet in an irresponsible way, that's <laughs> throwing up. That's not vulnerability, right? But it's in yeah. the exercising and the discernment of your intent to share, educate, inform the younger Shelleys and the CKs. You and you've done that over and over again. Second city, right? CMO, you're very public. You do it from the data. So you built up the muscles to do it in such a way in service of those that read your book. So I think it's, it's, it's also a process as well. Yeah, it is. And I love that you, I love that you said that. I think it is. I assume positive intent. I assume that there's a trust. I assume that you're finding and connecting with my work because you want to go there in some way, shape or form, or just take that little baby step. You know, I always say every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. And if you come into my world and into my work with a willingness and a mindset to say, I'm ready to take, I don't know what it looks like. I need help. I want inspiration and I'm ready to take whatever that next right tiny step is. We can dance. We oh, can perfect. Dance. Perfect. Okay, great. So segue again, I can talk to you for hours, but I'm watching the time <laughs> clock is ticking. All right. We may not get to the business aspect of it, but uh, sort of the solar business part, but the, but this is juicy. Okay. So segue to that. We're the average of the five people we surround ourselves with, right? Especially mm. when we're in that liminal space uh, after the caterpillar, before the butterfly, <laughs> right? We don't in the gooey, gooey mess. Exactly. Right. right? It's the, it's the community is so important. You chose to be a part of Rich uh, Lipkin's community, like it was Lipkin, your yeah, core yeah. community. Like, why? Can you share with us sort of your criteria of choosing your community, your people? Yeah, yeah. Community is still top three for me. I mean, I've got to have it. And at the time when I stepped into Rich Lipkin's community, so not only his, Rich is a, is a very well-known coach, uh, British guy who's based on the West Coast in Santa Monica, California. And he, as part of his broader community, he has a an invitation only, very high level kind of, you know, um, leaders and coaches and entrepreneurs who are changing the world kind of group called 4PC. And I was part of 4PC for almost three years. And the reason that I chose that, there are many flavors of this. I, Rich and his work happened to really resonate with me. So one, does the, you know, does the community and who's in the community resonate with you? Do you feel it? Does it they feel like your people? And two, you know, Rich says this best. He reminds us every day, if we're the smartest person in the room, we're in the wrong room. 
And I realized that as I was in this liminal space and I was transitioning from having this badass professional network, you know, this, you know, a Rolodex that I'd built over 26 years in the corporate world, that I didn't really have anybody who would support and challenge and inspire me as I was creating this next chapter. And I didn't even know what that looked like. So I knew I needed to be in a space with people who were many steps ahead of me, who would scare the bejesus out of me, who would pull the best out of me. And Why would they scare you, by the way? Why would they scare you? You are because Shelly Paxton, <laughs> former CMO of Holly yeah. Davidson. Well, Why would they scare you? I don't understand. Because they're so, so Shelly Paxton, former CMO. And this is one of the things I realized. And I know we'll talk a little bit about like my transition from corporate Shelly to soulful Shelly. You know, I realized that I was always this really good, like I was a steward of these incredible iconic brands. I stood behind brands and made them more important than myself. And the question I finally asked myself was like, what if the Shelly Paxton brand is the most iconic brand you could ever steward and that you could ever support in the world. And so when I started thinking in terms of that and I watched what other people were doing, the scary part to me is that meant I was front and center. Not Harley, not Visa, not AOL, not McDonald's, not all these incredible brands that I'd worked on throughout my career. I was front and center. I was fully exposed. And so we say we're ready for these things, but whew, that was a, that was a hard one. I am so much, even though I've been on stages and I did Second City and all of that, when you are putting your heart and soul out into the public in right, the way the that most, I the do. Most, the most core of who you are. Yeah. Totally. It's scary. So I also mm. wanted... I wanted people there to celebrate with me, to challenge me, to inspire me. I wanted to see how they were doing it. I wanted to see what it looked like. I wanted um, to be held while I was doing it. And so mm -hmm. that was um, that was really what that community was all about. And I stayed mm -hmm. in for a number of years. I only left in January of this year. And now I'm in another community led by Abby Gibb. It's called Divine Feminine Leadership Academy. And it's really for badass women who are movement makers in the world. So interesting, right? Like we just keep, I'm on another base camp on the second mountain now. And mm. so this community of movement makers, which of which I am one, is now inspiring me and pushing me and challenging me and holding me. And mm. I just don't think that there's anything more important to any of us, whatever your journey looks like, be with people who inspire you, support you, challenge you, hold you, ask you, you know, what support do you need in this moment? And maybe some days they're simply there to just listen mm. and sit with you. Mm. I think this is a little digression to what this is. I think given the time and also the trend of the world, where the world is going, the role of a space holder is becoming increasingly more important. Now, unfortunately, mm -hmm. for space holder, it provides space. So you can't really point to what content or things they create, right? A space holder is that you are in full acceptance 
and love and, and envelop. You can say whatever you want and you're still fine and good. So anyways, there's a little side comment I want to make, you know, being in, yeah. in a container in a community where such spaces provided is very, very precious, especially more and more people are feeling isolated and depressed or whatever the thing is and not being understood. So the role of a space holder is becoming more important. Yeah, I it's I love that you paused on that because it is it's so important and it's really important in how we support each other. I'm big in um, I've become a big advocate for mental health. It's part of my story and my journey. As you know, uh, a portion of the proceeds of my book go to supporting uh, uh, an organization called Life is Priceless, which um, which uh, supports mental health um, research and suicide prevention and all the things that are really important to me. And so I'm tying that to being a space holder because you're right in this world where busyness is a badge of honor in this world where like, I'm trying to, you know, be right instead of, you know, get it right in the world where I'm speeding up instead of slowing down and sinking in and listening deeply, man, space holders are, um, I think it is, it's one of the most valuable roles we can play and one of the most valuable gifts we can receive. And I want to see more of that in the world to slow us down and get us out of this busyness and be that for each other. That mm. to me is a big piece of, you know, what success, what success looks like on this second mountain, mm. right? It's, mm. it's slowing down, it's holding space, it's supporting one another. It's not a lone journey when, you know, at the beginning of, the book, I have an intro and I'm kind of like, here's what this book is. Here's how I think about sabbatical. Here's the mission I'm on. Here's, you know, it may be for you. It may not be for you. Um, and, and I just, I say, I wrote the book that I wish would have been out there when I left Harley. I wrote the book. That's me putting my arm around you saying, I got you. And to me, that's a space holder. I am holding space for you as you're reading this book and going on your own journey and I'm there for you. And I want to see more of us doing that for each other mm. in this world. You know, kindness mm. and compassion and empathy are um, are really under are underrated. Mm. I love that. Precisely what our podcasts are here to do, right? Creating that container for, yeah. the, for the auditory experience that, hey, this type of conversations is appreciated, right? Is worthy of listen to yeah. and contemplate on, right? So yeah. next question is this, man, I'll talk to you for hours. Uh, keep saying that. So maybe we'll under, do a part two. We could do a part two. Awesome. Great. Uh, awesome. So, um, so with your new identity, this new belief that Shelly Paxton could be the most iconic brand I've ever represent. How do you reinforce that belief? even when there's no evidence yet. So you had talked about, right, being immersed yourself in a community where they believe in you, right? They support you, they provide space. Are there other things that you do or are doing to reinforce this new belief, this new identity when there's no evidence yet? Yeah. 
And and let's be honest, there's growing evidence day by day. Of you course. Know, can I tell you exactly how many souls I've liberated? No. Sure. <laughs> and I probably never will be able to, and I've gotten really comfortable with that. But there's growing evidence. So I guess two things come to mind. Um, I'll say them out loud so you can help me remember in case I get off track. One is I do these I am statements. So I've created what I call an I am a festo. You might remember that I wrote about this in the book. Like, who am I when you strip away all of the external stuff? that's, you know, society says is important. Who am I at my core, at my essence, in my soul? And I, that's a cornerstone for me. I ground myself in that day after day after day. It is a practice and a habit because it reminds me of who I am and that informs how I show up. So that's a biggie for me is I have clients do this. I've had clients in rooms full of people do this. I am a festo. Who am I really? When you strip away all that other stuff that people tell you is important, who are you? I mean, mine's like, I'm bold. I'm a badass. I'm a trailblazer. I'm a movement maker. You know, I can go on and on, but those I are love just, that you I, can just like, a, rattle it. Yeah, off. I'm like, I love it. I'm a, I say I'm a top 100 podcast host. I say shit that I'm not today because mm. I want to manifest it, right? I'm doing that right now in my dating life. I've just put myself back out there, which is also a super weird thing when you're a really public figure and everybody can like read your book and learn everything about you. That's weird. But I, um, but yeah, so I just, I put that out there. So that's, that's a really important piece. And then, um, oh, I knew I was going to forget it if I didn't say it out loud. Um, the I am statements, it'll come to me. Oh, I can't think of it right now. I just lost it. It'll come back as we're, as we're having our, as we're having our conversation. It's all good. It's all good. Um, well, we had allocated our time for 75 minutes. It's coming up very soon. We're so, almost there. Al almost there. Uh, and I'm like trying to see where we can navigate this. So, well, you can you, feel free to ask me one more question. If you've got another, we can, and then we can wrap up. Or are there actually questions? Is, is there anybody who's on with us and has any questions? I'm happy to take. Well, I, I do have a question to sort of wrap up because uh, you had, okay, you have embraced your new identity. Hey, this is possible for me. And now you also have declare, crystallize this vision of liberating 1 billion souls. Right. So it is a process as I'm kind of envisioning it. Right. How did you come up with that vision, that crystal vision? <laughs> and then how did you get so bold and say one billion souls like the Buddha and then Jesus Christ didn't do that? Like that's <laughs> bold. <laughs> I yeah. love the chutzpah, right? Just, well, it is. It's pure chutzpah. I mean, let's yeah, be I love really it. honest that's about awesome. it. It's, it's, um, you know, I don't know if it's achievable in my lifetime and I don't care because I, a friend of mine, I mean, honestly, okay, so this ties to the importance of community. So as I was in this beautiful community called 4PC, the one we were just talking about, um, a friend of mine who I mentioned in the book, David Taylor Klaus, who's a brilliant coach, he was hearing me talk about all of this coming up, right? A lot of this was simply me leaning into 
what is like what is the universe telling me what are these what are these signs what keeps coming up when i sit still and getting into a meditation practice and really paying attention to what was happening in my life especially not only my nightmare but anybody who reads the book you'll read that my dad was a hugely influential figure in this journey as well because 10 months into my sabbatical my dad had two massive strokes that he is still never fully recovered from but thankfully is still with us and as i was putting all these pieces together where it was becoming so clear to me that i was never meant to go back to the other mountain that i was clearly starting to ascend a new mountain and i was like it, literally these messages started to come to me i don't know if i was channeling them i can't tell you it's like i would just wake up and i'd be like yeah i'm on, i'm on a mission and all i knew at the time was that i had liberated my own soul on this journey and i was being called to liberate other souls and that that was starting to i was starting to realize through this writing workshop that i went to and reflections that i was getting back from others that this is my work this is my platform that it's ultimately a business and it's a book and shelly you are here in you know with this soul in this body on this earth right now to liberate souls and then i got challenged in this beautiful 4pc container david taylor klaus said you know i have decided that i now only work with impact billionaires and i was like what does that mean who's an impact billionaire and he said i don't care how much money somebody makes when i think about my clients I think about the people who are changing lives and our world and our culture for generations to come. And you're one of those people, Shelly. So talk about the power of sitting in a in, in a really like powerful listening. Yeah, and sitting in a container like that where somebody looks at you and says, "I see you." And you, Shelly Paxton, are an impact billionaire. This phrase I had never heard of before, but what he was putting together is me saying, I now understand I'm on this planet to liberate souls, and he's saying you're an impact billionaire, and I remember digesting that for a second and I remember just slowly looking around this circle and I said, yeah, my mission is to liberate a billion souls. I'm an impact billionaire. And from that moment forward, I had, I will tell you this, and I want to say this out loud for anybody else who hears this kind of BS from other people. Everyone is going to have an opinion on what you say and the goals that you put out in the world. My advice, do not listen to them unless they are part of your trusted soul circle and your posse. I started to tell people that I was on a mission to liberate a billion souls and that I was going to write it in the intro to my book. And I would say 7 out of 10 people said to me, "That's not really believable, Shelly." <laughs> and I started to believe them. I started oh, to believe them. Man. I was like, "Oh, they're right. I'm going to sound foolish. This is silly. Like could I ever really?" And then I went, "No." no we're not going there 
don't know how it's going to happen. Super clear. It's not me on my own that we're going to, you know, that like we taught, you know, like I know you want to talk about like ripples of impact is how I'm now defining ROI. And the more of us who are choosing to show up in the sylvatical way of being and living our lives more authentically, courageously, and purposefully, we are going to collectively liberate our own souls and pay it forward and liberate other souls. So is it possible? Absolutely. Might it take generations way past my lifetime? Absolutely. I'm living my legacy and I want it to carry on. And so I didn't let other people tell me it was foolish. And the number of times it gets replayed back to me now just makes me smile. And I own the fact like I did, I don't have the scorecard. I don't know exactly what it looks like. All I know is that it makes me get out of bed on fire every day to do this work. And maybe that's the mm. only reason I stated it out loud. Mm. Thank you for that beautiful encapsulation of it. You're right. Like our vision's number one job ultimately is to inspire us. Yeah. And it's been inspired as others. Fantastic. Great. Right. It helps with, with, with the movement, right? Other people feeling the same yeah. way, raising their hand at the same time. But the core of it is inspire us. Yeah. Last question. Don't let people tell you it's silly. Please don't let people like pour water on your fire. Please don't. And if you like use mine as an example, like I could be sitting here saying, CK, I'm on a mission to liberate a hundred thousand souls. And I'd probably be dying a little bit inside. <laughs> a billion is a beautiful number. Now, yeah. last question. If I don't ask yeah. this question, people are going to be mad at me because I'm talking to the former CMO of a Harley Davidson and Harley Davidson for me is the only company that I know of where people are so passionate about their product, the community, where they tattoo their yeah. logos on their body, right? Yeah. So as the, you know, with your experience as a former CMO, can you unpack the passion of Harley Davidson in a, perhaps a short amount of time that we have? Mm. And how do you take that, all those sort of the atomic principles to this new movement you're creating, liberating of one billion souls? and much more. Yeah, I mean, the short answer, we could probably talk about this for an hour, right? If we truly wanted to unpack it. I mean, the abbreviated version is, you know, the power of Harley is has never been about the product itself. It's been about an emotion and a lifestyle and a community of people who from all walks of life, are brought together around something that just lights them up and brings freedom into their life. Getting on a Harley is freedom. It's the wind in your hair. It's the, you know, you know, breaking free of the cage, which is the car. It is getting out into nature. It is doing things your own way on your own terms. It's fascinating. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of parallels between Harley and what I've created. And there, there's a reason I stayed at Harley for six and a half years, because I truly believed in what we were selling, because what we were selling was inside. So it goes back to this, this is like pulls the thread through so much of what you and I've just talked about, right? It's a beautiful way to end because it really is about that fulfillment. Being on a Harley 
And being part of that community was really what gave people life. Mm. It is why people are so proud to be associated with that brand because you find your people. You get away from those things that are trying to shackle you and put you in a straight jacket. And you're just like, not going to do it. I'm flipping the bird to doing it someone else's way. And that's what getting on a Harley in particular has always done. It's the emotion and the lifestyle and the freedom and everything that it brings to your life. I mean, more than anything, you're paying for a mindset and a community. You're finding mm. your people. When you jump on a Harley, because Harley really isn't a, yes, it can be a solo sport, but you and I both know when you find Harleys, you tend to find packs of Harleys and communities and rallies and events. And, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing. And mm. it was the tightest knit, most loyal, most democratic, most non-judgmental community I've ever been a part of. So there were a lot of learnings there for me as I think about, wow, what is that beautiful emotional space that I want to create for people as they are finding their own freedom in their own lives, as they mm. are breaking out of these shackles of should and rewriting their own script of success? How can Soulbatical be a beautiful community that holds holds space? So I think that's the short answer of, of, you know, the power of Harley and how I'm translating some of it into what I'm doing. And funny that you should be asking right now, because I'm launching my own community next month in October mm. called Soul Circle, because I want to bring more of this. So all of us who are committed to being on this journey, I want us to be able to hold the space for each other and be in the mess of it and inspire each other and give people more access to me as we're choosing to live, you know, more authentically, courageously and purposefully. So yeah, some of that I learned from Harley. Mm, I love it. What a beautiful way to end this. So guys, buy the book, Soul Batical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. It's on Amazon and all the other bookstores. Yep. And if you want to get the Rebels Manifesto, go to bit.ly forward slash R-E-B-E-L-S-O-U-L-S. -E -E Shelly, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you. Just being that beacon of light, right? That lighthouse. You show others what's yeah. possible. And just really step into this, this lifestyle of being an impact billionaire. And I really appreciate how you write the book, you know, share publicly and share on this podcast specifically, you know, with openness and willingness to dance in these, you know, my style of conversation and, and just yeah. going really deep about what does it actually take to create, to surrender to our purpose and to really, you know, embrace each other into this new community to be impact billionaires. So thank you so much mm. for being here on Noble Warrior. And I hope, oh my gosh, I hope that we can schedule a second one so we can talk about soul of business. Because we talked to today a lot about soul of individuals and that's great, how to awaken individuals, a juicier one. And I'm a former um, chief cultural officer in a startup. And so we can really geek out about how do we bring back you know, humanity and soul into business. So thank I you would so love much to for do being that. Here. That's really what the Rebel Leaders Manifesto. Thank you for linking to that. That's really what that's about. So that'll be a good primer 
for anybody who wants to download that and and read it. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be the bridge into my second book. So it actually makes sense that it might be a second conversation because I'm just sort of um, I'm starting to put more meat on those bones, so to speak. So that's exciting.